welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How are you? Okay, how are you? I am fine. I'll be right back, though, because I grabbed what I thought was a seltzer, and it's a beer, but I wanted a seltzer. Oh, okay. (laughs) Be right back. I'm waiting, waiting, sitting here and waiting for Mary. She's coming back. Oh, my God. Don't tell anyone that I was singing. Hello. Hello. I'm trying to be good and drink less beer this week since I'd had so much last week. <laughs> Fair. So when I grabbed an unlabeled can that I thought was a seltzer and it turned out to be a beer, I was like, oh, I should probably have a seltzer as tempting as it is to just drink this. Fair. Your name says you're itchy. Why are you itchy? I don't know. I had some kind of terrible allergic reaction and my eyes were just oh. like, oh my God, they were like on fire. That sucks. I took some Benadryl, so we'll see how that goes. Was it allergic to work? Maybe you just have to stop working. It actually wasn't because I left work early because I didn't feel nice. well. Because I've also had a raging headache all day. Oh. Yeah. I don't know what that that's sucks. about, but I was like, Boo. I'm going to go home even though I have like no time off left. <laughs> oh. I would have tried to record sooner if I had known if you wanted to. I was just laying around. I'm ready. You sound ready as you're yawning into your microphone. That happens no matter what, though. True. Very true. What's new with you, aside from being itchy? I put up Halloween decorations. Excellent. What else did I do? I feel like, Oh, I'm seeing if I can turn my apples into apple cider in the slow cooker. We'll see how that goes. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've never done that. Me either. It'll be a new adventure. Excellent. I've heard of making applesauce in a slow cooker. I haven't heard of trying to make cider in a slow cooker. I think you could probably do, maybe you could do both. I don't know, because I added water to it, to so, you know, because it's yeah. going to be a beverage. But I wonder if you could cook it and then separate the mushy apple from the beverage part and have both. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that would make it more like an apple tea than an apple cider. Mm. I mean, we're going to take the apples away anyway. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. It's Fair. a new adventure. Are you using a recipe or just giving it an experimental try? I read a recipe, but then I was too lazy to pull it back up. <laughs> so I just went Fair. on memory. Excellent. Really, it was like, oh, put as much sugar as you want in. Put some water in. And maybe some cinnamon and, and cloves. I think that was, the, to my memory, that was the recipe. So Interesting. I also used my slow cooker today for the first time in a very long you time. Did. But I used it to make vegetarian chili. Nice. Yeah, it came out pretty good. I'd never used impossible ground beef in it. Ooh. Like the impossible version of ground beef. So I gave that a try today. It came out pretty good. Awesome. I do like the impossible meats. I do too. I usually use tofu and mushrooms, but, and I had actually bought tofu and mushrooms also, but then the mushrooms got rotten, even though it had only been like two days and I was angry at the stupid store for selling rotten mushrooms. Yeah. But it's fine. It still came out pretty good, even with all the mushrooms. Bastards. Right? Seriously. But you made chili out of non (laughs) uh, mushrooms. That was a lemons out of lemonade thing that did not work. Anyway, <laughs> or make lemonade effort. out of lemons. See, I even say it backwards. Good job. Yeah, thank you. Give me another great day for my words. <laughs> Something to look forward to. But now that you're helping with the editing, though, then Ooh. it's a Kathy problem to take care of that instead of a Mary problem to take care of when we're bad with words. Except for when I leave it all in because you're sitting there offering up helpful suggestions. Oh. <laughs> And it was funny. Yes, like last episode. I forgot about that. (laughs) Fair. I forgot about that. Yeah. I have not actually started editing that episode yet. I just downloaded it while I was waiting here for you. Fair. I hope it's okay. (laughs) I'm sure it's fine. Figuring out what I'm doing. It's a learning curve. Yeah. Last episode came out good. Yay. Yay. 
I have no idea for a segue today. Um, so what are we talking about today? <laughs> I mean, I feel like talking about the fact that we're doing a podcast is a decent enough segue. I'm, That's fair. Yeah. We were talking about doing stuff in the kitchen and we finally get to see Sam's kitchen. We do get to see Sam's kitchen. I mm. thought a lot about her apartment this episode or her house. And then I saw the vaulted ceiling. and I was like, Mary would like this. I do like a vaulted <laughs> ceiling. This is definitely not the house that she has later in the series. <laughs> I did notice that. She has like a cute little white house with a picket ah. fence later on. People are allowed to move, I guess. Although I think that actually might even come into the plot line of her moving oh. if I, now that I think about it. So Okay. Anyway. So what is this episode? This episode is Stargate <laughs> SG-1 Season 5 Episode 3 Ascension. Mm. Oh, we get a shot of a world full of ruins as we so often do. Yes. Yes. Teal'c and Jack are there heading toward Daniel, who is pouring over some writing on some stone, like he does, wearing some latex gloves, which I don't know if I've seen him do before, but... You would think he would wear them more often, but no, he does yeah. not seem to. Or at least cotton gloves, you know. Yeah. Something to know. keep the oils from his fingers from getting on stuff. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, he's wearing some latex gloves... Tilk yep. reports that the inhabitants of the city appear to have lost a great battle and were destroyed long ago with no survivors, which Daniel finds disappointing because he was hoping someone could help him with the language on this place. Wow, wow. Yeah. He also says the place they're standing, which kind of looking above, there seemed to be some structures that were a little bit more intact than others. Yeah. And I think they're near one of those or at one of them. Daniel makes note that whatever they're in has a completely different design from all of the other buildings. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. Daniel thinks he would need some carbon dating to figure out what came from when. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not when you're talking metal, no. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's the stone, though? Not for stone either. Mm. It has to have been a living thing. Maybe they found some fossils he's just not talking about. It would. Well, I was going to say it would work if the buildings were made out of wood, but from what we're seeing, they're there's not. some clay, which may or may not work. But there's also metal obelisks and stuff. Things that are made of metal and stone, you cannot date using carbon dating. It has to have been alive at some point. All right. Or have things in it that had once been alive, which clay might, but probably not. Jack's already bored, though. He wants to know how long this is going to take. Daniel starts to talk about days, weeks, and months, but that is not what Jack was looking for, and neither was Teal'c. They look at each other and just walk away from Daniel. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I guess I'll just keep working until lunch. <laughs> Elsewhere in a cave, Sam is studying some sort of device that they say is advanced. They don't know what it is, but they know that whatever it is, it is very advanced. That makes sense. Yeah. Sure. Jack says that he and Tilk are going to go and check out the town, which I thought that they had just gotten back from, so right? I don't know why they're going to go check out the town now. Jack tells Sam that even if she manages to figure out what it is and what it does, just don't turn it on, okay? She's like, yeah, of course not. Then she goes to put her hand on it and looks like she's about to try to turn it on. <laughs> Jack turns around and is like, what did I just say? <laughs> She starts examining some panels after he leaves, and they find a one of those same kinds of crystal panels that we see on all the Ghoul World motherships. And then we get a view from kind of a different viewpoint. I'm trying to think how to explain it. It's reminiscent of when we were getting images of the world from the viewpoint of the security cameras, except that this isn't a security camera. This is something that's swooping around. It's not fixed in place like when the thing was taking over the security cameras at SGC. But whatever this creepy creeper thing is, it's getting closer and closer to Sam. It is. Daniel asks Sam if she's done with that camera yet, but he gets no response, so he turns and heads into the building that Sam is in and finds her laying unconscious. That's not great. Nope. So he radios to Jack. And checks to make sure she's not dead. Credits. Indeed. After credits, they're back on Earth. As Sam is awake, she's been checked out by Dr. Fraser. She is 
not very happy that Fraser has no answers and is also not letting Sam go back to work. She says that she thinks Sam's got some fatigue because her pre-mission blood work did have a little anemia. And Sam's like, yeah, well, you let me go anyway. And Fraser says, well, that might not have been the best judgment. A little anemia is fine. I'm borderline anemic half the time myself and I'm still working and everything. So whatever. Actual anemia. That's more worrisome. Mm. And then Fraser also reminds her, though, of all of the extra stress that she's had to deal with in these last few years, like a symbiote dying in her brain and her memory being stamped and her whole consciousness being transferred out of her body and then back in. Maybe, maybe just rest a little bit. Sam, again, doesn't want to hear it. She basically just placates Fraser. It's like, yeah, sure, rest, whatever you say. Now I got to go back to work. <laughs> And Fraser tells her to just, you know, come back if you start speaking an ancient language. <laughs> At this point, we also see John Delancey's name flash on the screen. What the hell are you doing here? I hadn't Over, even noticed, yeah. so when he shows up later, I was pretty surprised. <laughs> the trial never ends. In the conference room, Jack and Daniel are talking to General Hammond about their visit to this planet that they just came back from what's up with the the guy who's got his name prominently displayed on the laptop i don't know and what are the numbers and right why does it seem like he's just taking notes yeah it's very (laughs) weird they said that he was transferred from area 51 later on so i was trying to remember if this was the same guy giving them the weird tour meaning of life stuff I love that. I don't know. I have no idea. I suppose we could check. That sounds like a lot of effort. I thought about it and then I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> he did. But anyway, They've got a new friend. Yes. <laughs> and he loves to have his name prominently displayed on his laptop. I love that. He sure does. Nobody ever take his laptop. Nope. His name is Colonel Ren- yep. Reynolds and the whole world is going to know it. Yep. Do you think he uses his label mach- maker to label his lunch in the refrigerator too? Although they have that yes, cafeteria, so... If I had a label maker, everything in my house would be labeled, <laughs> and then everything at my work would also be labeled, and then everything everywhere else I go would also be labeled. So Label yes, yes, the I world. do. Mary, stop putting labels on everything, okay? <laughs> Labeling things is very ADHD friendly, and I think that more things should be labeled in the world. Daniel reports that the building that they were in is probably built around 400 years ago. Somehow he's figured that out. And the civilization itself around it was much older, which he says that means that perhaps the culture developed on its own in isolation and then was influenced by advanced technology later. Isn't that pretty much how all of most of these civilizations (laughs) seem to work? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he thinks that maybe they discovered the Stargate or figured out how to use it right before they built the mystery machine. They don't know what happened. It doesn't sound like it was the gold, but maybe, who knows. Anyway, at least not at this point. Hammond asks, what is this device anyway? I don't know what it does. <laughs> well, if it's a mystery machine, then it's an old green van. Yes. <laughs> transports teenagers in a great Dane around to hunt for ghosts. <laughs> it sure is. But they don't know at all what it is. No. Just that it's really advanced... And a few hundred years old. How do you even define how advanced a piece of technology is if you don't actually know what it does? Like, what if this whole giant thing was just a pen? Like, just a fancy version of a pen. Like, they didn't have pens. They had this thing that... Full of crystals. This was, like, the height of their technology, and all you could do was write a couple letters with it. Maybe. Maybe this entire giant thing was just not at all advanced (laughs) maybe i mean it could be a pen daniel thinks it could be a deep space observatory jack's like a big honking space gun Mm. sam comes in at that point having been relieved of her dr fraser times sam chimes in when she comes in that the power core is missing she also reiterates that this device is advanced it's a really advanced pen well if you're fisher space pen You answer what if with why not, and you become an institution of writing superiority. And then you create a lasting presence in space. Exactly. It's definitely not going to fit in your pocket. It's 
that advanced that you can't put it in your pocket. So advanced you wouldn't need a pocket protector. <laughs> true, true. Mm-hmm. I've never had a pocket protector in all my life. I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> but I have had many ink stains on my pants yes, and my clothes. Yes, yes. Probably I should have. Right? Yeah. What were we thinking? I don't know. But clearly we weren't. No. Speaking of pocket protectors, I've been watching IT Crowd yet again. Ah, excellent. (laughs) Such a great show. It really is. Finally, Mr. Computer Man speaks up. (laughs) And he's like, oh, the power core is missing? Hammond's like, oh, you know Colonel Reynolds. Okay, he's been sitting there this whole time. Do we need to know him? And Sam says, of course she knows him. I'm like, great. I wish we did. Yeah. It's probably because his name is huge and on his computer. <laughs> Hard to miss. Yeah. If I had thought about it in advance, I would have tried looking up what those numbers mean, but I didn't. So here we are. Yeah, I didn't either. He transferred here from Area 51. He's going to hang out with SG-16 while they're back on the planet doing a long-term analysis. Sam says that she thinks that a Nequita generator will give this thing some power. Jack interrupts and tells her that it's not her job, it's SG-16's job. And Hammond is still like, hey, slow down, maybe we don't want to turn this on yet, so let's figure out what it is first. Probably a good call. Sam then asks to join SG-16 on this mission, but Hammond denies that. And says only Daniel will be assisting in the translation of the language until SG-1 has another mission and time to go take some time off, which in, we know already from past times they've been given time off that Sam is not good at that. Nope. But she doesn't get her way this time. No, she doesn't. If she was Jack, then she would totally be going on with SG-16 like she wanted. For but sure. She's not as convincing as him, apparently. But no, she can't even stay on base and nerd out like she normally does. Right. Hammond knows Dr. Frazier told her to take it easy. And that's what she has to do. He leaves. Sam is incensed that he told her to take it easy. (laughs) Jack then tells her she's been a little tense. And then in the most tense way possible, she's like, I'm not tense. (laughs) Am I? Jack tells her she works too hard and she's going to crash and burn. She says she doesn't have much else to do, which kind of makes me sad. She doesn't have any hobbies besides nerding out in her lab. Yeah. Well, that's why Jack tells her to go get a hobby. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Jack tells her to take up golf or kite flying or knitting. And he leaves her there to say, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Sam goes home and we see her cute little house. And her car. And her, I didn't actually even notice her car. What kind of car was she? I Googled it because I was like, that looks like an old car. She looks like she's some sort of car junkie. It was a 1961 Volvo P1800, according to the internet. Ah, nice. So she's got an old classic type car. Fabulous. Yeah. I don't know how I managed to not notice that. Probably because I'm trying to buy a house, so I was only noticing (laughs) Fair. (laughs) She goes inside and goes to the world's largest answering machine and it tells her that she has no new messages. I can't believe that ended up being an answering machine. (laughs) Yeah, so I should mention that Kathy last night sends a screenshot to me and Jeff and our friend Colin, who you all know, and asks what the thing is that was sitting on the counter. And it took some time and some guessing that maybe it was... A word processor, I think, is what Jeff had guessed. And then when I was watching the episode today, I noticed, oh, she goes right up to it and pushes a button and it says she has no messages. So, yeah, that's just an answering machine. It's a very, like, fancy type of answering machine with a full keyboard and a large display that, like... Yeah, you could probably send... I guess you could probably send faxes from it or something, maybe. I don't know. I know, but I feel like things like that are usually a combination of a phone as well. Yeah, because there's normally a phone attached to it, and her phone was not attached directly to the thing the way that you would expect a fax machine to have. I don't know. Maybe she made it herself. Maybe. Out of of a word processor or something. (laughs) It's entirely possible. (laughs) Very possible. Maybe the being that took over her body left it for her as like a parting gift. Maybe. And so when they were disassembling the massive junk that was in that room, they're like, oh, hey. (laughs) here's this thing that the creature wanted Sam to have. (laughs) I could really use an answering machine. Yeah. (laughs) Made this giant answering machine out of a word processor. (laughs) We basically just get a few scenes of Sam doing normal at-home stuff. She brushes her teeth. She gets ready for bed. She goes to sleep. 
And then we get that creepy high up vantage point through the filtered lens of something kind of hovering around her and coming in and approaching her while she's sleeping. And it's creepy. creepy. She clearly doesn't see anything, but something's watching her. Indeed. Yeah. And then in the morning, she goes outside. I thought it was weird that she was fully dressed <laughs> just to go out to get the newspaper, but whatever. Uh, yeah. She's got like a jacket and shoes on. And then there's a guy out there just standing, just standing and watching. Weirdly stiff. Weirdly stiff. Very creepy looking. He just had creepy face. He did. A pretty severe case of creepy face, I thought. He did. Did you recognize the actor at all? I did not. So that was Sean Patrick Flannery, who I just did a quick look on IMDb. I had known him from, he played Greg Stilson in The Dead Zone, the TV series. I don't think I saw that. And then he also co-starred with Sarah Michelle Gellar in a rom-com that I'm sure you didn't see called Simply Definitely Irresistible. would not have seen. <laughs> So those are the things I knew him from, but I was looking through, he has like a very long history and he actually played young Indiana Jones, it looks like, in the Young really? Indiana Jones Chronicles, which oh, I never actually watched, but yeah. I saw a one or two episodes here and there a really long time ago, so I definitely would not have recognized him from that. Yeah, so I feel like I kind of give him credit because he plays very different characters and if I didn't recognize his look, I wouldn't have pegged him as the same person because the guy he plays in The Dead Zone is, is yeah. this really bad guy total like slimy asshole guy and in simply irresistible he just plays a rom-com romantic interest anyway that's who that was in case anyone was curious interesting well in this he's creepy yes. and stiff and weird <laughs> and he tells sam that it's nice to meet her and she asks if he is from around here and he says no but you live here <laughs> that's weird and she says yes and i'm gonna go back inside see ya <laughs> And he creepily stares at her as she goes back in and calls after her, see you again. And it's yeah. weird and disconcerting. So she goes inside and immediately locks the door as she as should. she should. Yep. And then she calls Daniel. She does. She's got a water cooler in her apartment or her house. I keep calling it an apartment. Right? That's weird. We had a water cooler when I was a kid in our house. And that is also weird. Huh. It was definitely like a, a very 90s thing, I feel like. And... I guess also early 2000s. Yeah. She kept a selection of plastic cups on top in different colors. Yeah, that's very wasteful. <laughs> Unless she's bit. washing them. Hopefully they're not disposable. Yeah, they looked reusable plastic. Oh, okay. That's good. And at some point in the episode, the number of them goes down. I did <laughs> that's notice. good that she's staying yes, hydrated. Yes, yes. She calls Daniel. <laughs> yes. Daniel, who is at the SGC, hands full of papers wandering into his office while the phone is ringing. He's fumbling with all the stuff in his hands and basically, like, tosses it down and picks up the phone finally. That's not important. I just thought it was funny. It was, yeah. especially when he spilled coffee on himself. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a, it was very reminiscent of movie Daniel. Yes. <laughs> Sam wants to know how the translation from the planet 636 is going. And Daniel's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm almost done. It seems to hold the key to all the mysteries of the universe. Which Sam rightly realizes is Daniel being sarcastic and he hasn't done anything yet and she should leave him be to do his thing. As we see her in her kitchen, I noticed, first of all, that she has a surprisingly large collection of ugly decorative plates. <laughs> she does. <laughs> and then I was also wondering if she always intentionally matches her clothes to her ugly decorative plates because <laughs> the weird jacket thing that she was wearing seemed to match some of them quite well <laughs> she does have so many jackets so yeah like every time you see her in a different scene she's wearing a different jacket she is and it's not so weird when she is out and about doing stuff but when she's just hanging out at home yep. that's what made it weird <laughs> wearing shoes and a jacket while you're inside yeah. seems weird to me even wearing shoes is less weird i guess but yeah i don't wear shoes in my house me either no. i try not to wear shoes unless i have to i don't want to I don't want to track in all the allergens and dirt and dog shit. Also, shoes are just not comfortable. <laughs> just take the shoes off. Also that. They're not that comfy. I mean, I, it's fine. I can live in a pair of shoes, but I would rather not wear shoes. Same. Daniel tells her, I thought you were supposed to be taking it easy. And she says, yeah, no, no. And then he promises to call her when he has something. She hangs up. 
turns around and Creepy Man is now standing stiffly in her house. Yay! <laughs> Scaring the Great. crap out of her. Yep. Awesome. He promises he won't hurt her, but she's like, no, I'm going to hurt you if you come any closer. <laughs> yeah. You can definitely trust the guy that breaks into your house and then just stares creepily behind you, scaring the crap out of yes. you to actually not hurt you like he says he won't. Absolutely. Very trustworthy. He asks her not to call anybody. He just wants to talk to her about something complicated. So she asks how you got into the house. And he's like, I followed you home last night. So this is getting better and better. <laughs> She's like, you've been here all night? <laughs> He occupied his time reading books and watching her TV so he could learn how to speak, he says, and what to wear. And then asks if his outfit is okay. Which she does not respond to, again, rightly. Yes. He says that she could not see him last night and he's now taken this form so they could relate to one another better. And he says this is the way he looked before his ascension. And also tells her he's not crazy. He introduces himself as Orlin. He's from 636. And he followed them through the Stargate back here. And then, to prove his point, he walks through her counter toward her yep. while talking to her. And yeah, that's also creepy and Quite. not great. Nope. He says he just wants to talk to her. It's just been so long and he has feelings. Sam starts to inch away from him and then runs the hell out of there. Smart lady. Get the uh, yes, fuck out. Yes, good for her. But once she's gone, he's like, I love you. Because he's a creep. Everyone loves Carter. Yes, everyone does love Carter rightly again. But it's creepy to love her that way. Yes. Yes. Agree. Very much agreed. Also, maybe if somebody runs away from you, take the hint that they're not interested. For sure. <laughs> Later in the day, there's a bunch of people in biohazard suits that are examining Sam's house and the front of the house and inside of the house. Jack is there. and They're having a conversation about Orlin and what he looked like. They checked the surveillance tapes in the gate room, apparently, and the, there was, of course, nothing on them because Orlin said that he was invisible, so... Of course, there was nothing on them. Sam tells Jack that at first she thought that it was just some random creepy guy off the street. But when he started walking through solid objects, then she knew, oh, okay, this is definitely something that we brought home with us. Apparently, she tried to call back out again at some point after she ran away from him before and her phone was dead. Then she somehow managed to call code three here anyway, yeah. despite her phone being dead. Some random guy comes up and says that they've pretty much done all that they can do there, so they're going to leave. And Jack's like, it's great. Tell the local authorities that the gas leak is mm -hmm. fixed. And I didn't understand why they needed that as a cover. I don't know. Yeah. It, like, I'm it, doing they're just, work on They're my at house. her own property. Yeah. Like, just tell them that they're doing work there. Why would they need to have the authorities notified that they're doing anything? I didn't understand that. It was a little weird. So they're going to leave some cameras set up around her house and there's going to be a van down the street monitoring things for a while just to make sure that everything is okay. Jack offers to hang out and keep her company, but she says that he's only shown himself to her. So if they want him to show up again to figure out what's happening, then probably it should just be her there alone. As Jack leaves, she tells him to not tell her yet again to take it easy. So he says, take care. All I can think about was Michael from The Good Place saying, take, take it, it sleazy. sleazy, and I thought that would have been <laughs> very funny. Meanwhile, at the SGC, Daniel and Teal'c are busy working in Daniel's office when Jack comes in to see them. Daniel asks how Sam is, and Jack, instead of telling him, says there's no evidence of her, quote, secret <laughs> friend. So Daniel asks again... And Jack just responds that Hammond recommended a psych evaluation. Cool. Yeah. Jack asks what they've got. Daniel confirms that they think the device, the mystery machine on 636, <laughs> is indeed a weapon rather than a pen or an observatory. Tilk says the weapon is of great power, O'Neill. 
Daniel says he's been able to tell that these people were developing along a similar trajectory, I guess, technologically as Earth. They had discovered their Stargate when a threat from the skies came. And Jack's like, gold. Daniel says, but they were then able to build a very advanced weapon to defend themselves. Which, in fact, it worked, despite the looks of the planet. Apparently, they were able to stop the Gould, but they don't know then who destroyed them. They still don't know that. Nope. Back in Sam's house, Orlin is suddenly there. <laughs> because as he does, <laughs> he just creeps up out of nowhere. <laughs> and the first thing he says is, I understand why you did it. Apparently, for whatever reason, the people came back and took all the cameras away. Which made no that sense That was to me. really weird. How long was this? Like, Yeah, it does not seem to have been very long. No, it was very strange. Yeah. Sam is mad because they're talking about psychological evaluations that could cost her her job, so she's mad for good reason. Orlin tries to basically relate to Sam by saying, I thought that I might be losing my mind too when I was alone on Valona. As though that makes it all better. <laughs> Orlin complains about how he was alone on Valona for hundreds of years all by himself when he finally saw Sam. And so, of course, he became enamored with her. And he goes on to say that his kind are capable of a level of communication that shares their innermost essence. And he was just trying to share that with Sam when he saw her on the planet. And apparently that is what made her pass out. Because he was just trying to mind meld with her, essentially, without announcing his presence <laughs> or getting any kind of consent yeah. or anything like that. What could possibly go wrong with that? So that's great. But at least Orlin was able to learn from that experience that she's a really good person and she's as beautiful inside as she is outside. So that's not at all creepy and gross. Mm. Sam wants to call the Code 3 team back there, but Orlin says he's just going to hide again. And he wants to do the little mind meld thingy again. But maybe with her consent, because he's pretty sure ha humans can handle it. So, of course, Sam's going to go along with it. Why not? What could possibly go wrong <laughs> in this situation where this guy has been, like, stalking her, essentially, and is creeping on her in her house? But, sure, she's going to go along with it. Only way out is through. <laughs> Apparently so. For about the millionth time this episode, Sam is told to take it easy. <laughs> and they close their eyes and everything gets all glowy. And then they open their eyes and stare at each other again. Yay. Yeah. Later, Sam returns to the SGC. She finds O'Neill. She tells him to look at this. She's carrying a clock with her. Yes. She discovered there's a hidden camera there. After the Code 3 team took away all of their devices. What? I know. Shocking. Yeah. Jack's like, oh, they forgot one. Are you sure, she asks. And he's like, no. <laughs> she thinks that she's being watched, which obviously she is. Yes. She says that she did her duty. She reported the alien encounter. And now everyone thinks she's crazy. Which I don't know why. They've encountered so many right? weird things. Yeah. Her consciousness was transferred into a fucking computer and they're like, <laughs> yeah. ooh, it's invisible so we don't believe you. Charlie 2.0 had an invisible mom. Yeah. Why do people not believe her that there's another invisible being here? I don't know. <laughs> Makes no but sense. But apparently everyone's against her, thinks she's crazy until they see it for themselves. She asks him a hypothetical question. If the alien did show himself to her... It would probably be good if she gathered intelligence from him as much as possible before, you know, she tried to capture this creature and telling anyone about it. Jack says probably and that he's got to go pee. So he goes <laughs> to the bathroom. Sam's on her own. Yep. Sam is back at work. She's not hanging out at home anymore. She's in her nerd lab, I guess, when Daniel comes in. And asks what she's working on. And she says that she's pretty much trying to figure out how to activate the weapon based on Daniel's very fast and efficient translation, despite the fact that he had nobody to help him with it. And she's pretty sure that they can actually, as they suspected before, get their Naquita reactor to work with it. They're going to kind of jerry-rig it together. But the problem is that the burst of energy that's required could make the entire thing really dangerous. 
And that once the thing is powered up, they're going to have to let it do whatever it does because to start the thing going and then trying to power it down in the middle of its cycle would basically just cause so much energy to be released that it would explode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <Okay. laughs> Daniel's like, all right, well, then you better be sure that you want to fire this weapon if you're going to turn it on. And Sam's like, yep, yeah, yeah, pretty much. She's going to try to figure out some kind of a buffer thing, but spoiler alert, that does not end up happening. <laughs> Daniel thinks maybe they should just leave the thing alone if it's just a big, powerful weapon. But we all know that's not going to happen. Nope. Back at Sam's house, she comes home to find Orlin again standing like a stiff creep in her house. He tells her, you're late. You should have been home an hour ago. I was worried. This is not creepy creepy. at all. (laughs) You could have called. (laughs) She's like, you couldn't answer the phone even if I did because you're incorporeal. But turns out, surprise, now he's solid. And he was able to get dinner ready. And he's made a little uh, candlelit dinner for them. Orland is like, things are going well, huh? between us (laughs) sam's like dude i just met you i don't see how anything could ever happen between us and orlin's like that was only because we lived in different planes of existence now everything's fine i've taken human form before they can continue their conversation the doorbell rings on top of that jack shouts because you can't be patient and let someone answer the door you need to yell and let them know (laughs) you're there yeah Sam shoves Orlin into a room and closes the door. I don't know if it was a closet or an actual room. I thought it was a closet, but I also didn't understand why. Because if she's been trying to prove to everybody that he exists, why would she now suddenly be hiding him? Yeah. When there's no way that he can disappear now. That was weird. It was a weird thing. She answers the door to Jack and Teal'c. (laughs) Jack is, you know, just wearing a beanie. And Teal'c is... Wearing a cowboy hat and also has a bandana or scarf tied around his neck. And later we see a full shot of his shirt. He's got a jacket on and his shirt seems to have a bunch of flames on it. As best I can tell, that's what it was. Did you notice all the fringe on his jacket too? Tilk has gone full cowboy. (laughs) It was pretty great. Hat watch. Tilk costume watch, really, this is. <laughs> yeah, this goes well beyond just hat watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole aesthetic. I also like that his hat was up enough that you could still see his tattoo. <laughs> you could, I know. <laughs> it's like, why even bother? Maybe Tilk just likes this look. Like, Who knows? He's so conspicuous in a cowboy outfit. And where are they? <laughs> Colorado? Wyoming? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was absurd. It was great. They're there. They brought some pizza and some movies. They want to watch Star Wars. Teal'c specifically wants yes. to watch Star Wars. Teal'c has already seen nine times. Nine times. And Jack, zero. I love how happy Teal'c seems yeah. about this. And Jack even asks, what have you seen it eight times? And Teal'c's like, nine. <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah. He was so smiley was and happy so about funny. it. Despite this good time they're offering, Sam turns it down. She sort of awkwardly looks back in the house and Jack is like, got some company in there? In my opinion, watching Star Wars with Teal'c and Jack sounds like a way better time than hanging out with this stupid right? creeper Orland. So she made a bad choice here. Yeah. She basically lets Jack assume that she's on a date. Yeah. Which was also weird. I, yeah. I don't understand why she didn't come clean about this. Yeah. <laughs> But even if she just had company, why did it have to be a date necessarily? Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, that's what's happening. And Jack and Teal'c are like, cool, we'll find something else to do. He gives her their pizza. Yes. (laughs) And they tell her to have fun. And they go to leave. Sam opens the closet door. And Orlin's like, well, I've taken human form and we can't ascend again. So... Basically, she's stuck with him. Yeah, that's inconvenient, seeing as she didn't want this at all. (laughs) So cool, now she's got this weird alien guy she's got to take care of. Yep. We get a quick scene outside of Tilk saying that there's a place that humans do battle in Jell-O, and he wants to go see it. And that made me just 
roll my eyes so hard that they literally fell out of my head, yeah. especially when Jack's like, great, call Daniel, we're going. Yeah. Ugh. Back inside the house, Orland's complaining that he doesn't know where the rest of his kind are, so he doesn't really know what else to do, and they're having whatever crappy food Orland cooked Ooh. instead of that pizza. I can't imagine he's a very good cook. Right? He- After having been incorporeal for hundreds of years and never having used this type of cookware or stove or anything. So the pizza would have been a better choice. He watched some TV, so it's fine. He, he has watched some TV, yes. <laughs> Apparently not all ascended people know each other because Orlin does not know who Oma de Sala is. But Sam says that Oma could do the same glowy kind of things that he could. <laughs> and she also controlled forces of nature. And Orlin's like, yeah, that's easy. Or at least it used to be. Orlin figures that she must have been banished like he was for helping other people to ascend because that's not a thing that you're supposed to do. So she broke the rules just like he broke the rules by telling those people on Valona how to keep themselves safe from the Gua'uld. That is actually when we learn that, yeah, he's the one that told them about the weapon. And then we also learn that the Ascended killed all the people on Valona because they weren't supposed to have that weapon. Yeah. So, yeah, so that makes sense. So instead of worrying about, like, you know, what if they turn this weapon on each other or do something else bad, let's just kill them all without giving them the benefit of the doubt, just in case. I think that's, he says they started to plan to conquest other planets. They started to plan, but that's not the same as actually going out and starting to do it. I feel it. like they could probably sufficiently scare the shit out of all those people into never using it again by creeping around like this guy does. Right? Or wait up, you know, maybe just take the weapon yeah there's so many <laughs> Instead other of options. killing the entire planet full of people yeah anyway orlin says that now that he's human he's mortal just like sam so the past is the past he can't change anything he didn't do this whole corporeal thing just for her it was kind of partly for himself too and then we see out in a van that despite what they told sam about not continuing to listen in they are in fact continuing to listen in Yes. <laughs> and Orlin continues talking that, you know, if nothing develops between them, he'll accept it and he'll just go on his way. But he just had to know what would happen. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the SGC, oh, hi, Q. Q is Yay! there. That's John Delancey. <laughs> He's not actually playing Q in this, but. Be a better episode if he was. <laughs> I don't like Q. <laughs> I actually don't <laughs> I like John Delancey a lot. Same. But the Q episodes just make me roll my eyes. This is a Star Trek thing, in case there's anyone out there who doesn't actually watch Star yeah, Trek, like, but who the hell is watches Q? Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've never been a big fan of Q. Actually, I've always hated Q episodes, yeah. but I actually did like him in... I liked Q, the character. I always liked John Delancey, uh, the actor, even though I don't like Q, the character. But I did like Q, the character... In Picard season two. Okay, fair. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's not Q-like at all here. No. He is playing Colonel Simmons, I guess. Mm -hmm. And Colonel Simmons is pretty gung-ho about getting this weapon tested as soon as possible. Of course. Sam is there, too, and is like, maybe we should wait. Simmons is like, but... Why? You helped us figure out how to power it. And she says that was an order. And I recommend against it. Because it's very dangerous. It's a good reason yeah. to not do yeah. it. But Simmons and apparently all of the Pentagon are on board with this. As well as Computer Man Reynolds. They're all <laughs> on board with this. Daniel takes Sam's side and says they don't know enough about what happened. Then Simmons says, and I'm only quoting this because, again, it's a funny moment. He says to Daniel, need I remind you, Dr. Jackson, of the dangers that we're trying to defend Earth against? And Daniel's like, oh, could you? Go slow. And I laughed so hard. I did, too. Because that was definitely a moment that no one else could do because Daniel is not in the military. So he can say whatever he wants to this guy. Yeah, I was, th yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. Nobody else could have gotten away with talking to a colonel like yeah. that, but... What are they going to do to Daniel? <laughs> Sam says that she thinks this device caused some sort of atmospheric weather anomaly that destroyed the entire civilization on that planet. Why is she even lying about I that? I don't know. 
she didn't put it in her report and has no evidence for it. Why wouldn't she have put it in her report if she thought that was actually a thing? Because she doesn't. She's just, I don't know, covering for Orlin for some reason. I know. Well, it just continues to make no sense. Like, if she had thought that it was a thing, then she would have put it in her report. So it's just a really bad cover to say, oh, I just left it out of my report is all. Yeah. And she wants them to do a proper forensic environmental analysis, which Reynolds is like, of course we're going to do that. And after we do a test, we'll be able to gather way more accurate information. And Sam's like, not if you're dead. General Hammond, though, kind of splits the difference on this and tells her she has two weeks to bring actual evidence that they should not do this test. And if she can't, he's not going to stop it. Then he dismisses them. Simmons stays behind to talk to Hammond because he's pretty mad that Hammond would even consider stopping the test and he says the decision lies with the pentagon and hammond then pulls out president bestie card (laughs) and is like there's a red phone in my office that only takes calls from one man we for sure know that that is not true though we've seen him take many calls from other people on that red phone yeah Yeah. i know that's supposed to be the case but they're not good at consistency with that no they're not he's like he's your boss's boss so Take that. (laughs) Simmons just kind of smiles in a kind of slimy way. Yep. Back at Sam's house. Orlin, of course, is still there creeping because where else is he going to be? And he made a thing for her and it apparently is a giant emerald. And if he no longer can control nature, I didn't understand how he made this giant emerald, but... He made a giant emerald and destroyed Out of a microwave, microwave yeah. in the process. It reminded me of Elf when he makes the rocking horse out of their TV stand. Oh, I don't know. I never watched that show. Elf, the, the movie. Oh, Elf. I thought I heard Elf. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All I remember about yes. Elf is that he liked to eat cats. <laughs> I do love Elf. And yes, that was hilarious. <laughs> Such an enjoyable movie. Agreed. Now Sam just retires from the military because she is independently wealthy because of this giant emerald. <laughs> and <laughs> could you could you make me some diamonds too? And you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Seriously, maybe just mint some money. Right. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but <laughs> independent wealth and giant emeralds aside, and other gemstones aside, Sam has some stuff she wants to talk to Orlin about. So they're going to go for a walk. Why they needed to go for a walk for this, I don't know, but they did. I think that she was worried about people listening to her. That makes sense. So they're talking about the weapon and whether or not it's going to be safe to do any tests on it. Orlin doesn't think that it will be, though, because he thinks that the other ascended people are going to just destroy all of Earth for even testing this weapon. So that's great. Sam's like, well, even if we only intend to use it to defend ourselves, and Orlin's like, well... How would we know that we could trust that that would be the case? And can't. <laughs> again, speaking of trust, why is she so quick to trust everything that Orlin says about anything? And it was continuing to annoy me. I don't know. Yep. And Orlin says that he's read some of their recent history. So he is, of course, familiar with how warlike people are. And he knows all about the atom bomb and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Just throw that in our face every time you want to talk about wiping out civilization. God! <laughs> right? Sam asks why he didn't just destroy the weapon, and Orlin thought that he had, and he didn't think that the humans would actually have a way to replace the power core, but we do. He calls Sam brilliant, and then I was like, or are you just an idiot? Right. I mean, she is brilliant, but... <laughs> she is, but I think it's, yeah, a little of both. <laughs> The takeaway of the conversation is that they need to figure out a way to stop the test without exposing Orlin. Again, not really understanding why they need to not expose Orlin, but that is their takeaway. Yeah. Yep. It's weird. And Orlin does ask at this point why she's not turning him in. And Sam says that's because she'd feel bad betraying him. But why, though? He's been in her house emotionally abusing her and stalking her and being all creepy So I still don't understand why she's not turning him in and why she cares about feeling like she's betraying him. I feel like the only reason that could be is that in their little mind meld, he put some little mind control in there or something. Because I can't imagine. Yeah. Why? Why? Right. Orlin does say that he thinks it's because Sam likes him. 
He can tell. Sam likes him a lot. Yeah, but instead of rolling her eyes and leaving, she stops and smiles. Which made me roll my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Sam goes to Hammond's office where she's obviously been summoned. Jack and Simmons are there waiting for her too. Jack lets her know they are going to test the weapon because President Bestie has told Hammond that it's going to happen. Sam's like, but I had two weeks and it's only been nine days, apparently. Nine times. <laughs> Which is close <laughs> to two weeks. What the hell have they been doing for nine days? I don't know, but Simmons thinks she's been dicking around for nine days doing nothing. <laughs> and then he pulls out some documents and asks her to explain some deliveries that have gone to her house, including a hundred pounds of raw titanium. 200 feet of fiber optic cable, some industrial strength capacitors, etc. ordered online from her home computer. The implication comes very shortly that he stole her credit cards to pay for all of this. But how much room does she have on her credit cards that she can afford 100 pounds of raw titanium? I don't know. (laughs) Sam, of course, doesn't know what he's talking about. And she's been here every day. But Simmons like, well, then who's accepting those deliveries? And they've got pictures of Orlin taking deliveries. <laughs> Oops. And she's like, oh, my God, you've been watching me. No kidding. She already knew that. But Hammond's like, oh, it wasn't us. It was the Pentagon. And he says he's expressed his anger and disappointment to the president about this. Simmons says they have tapes of her conversations with Orlin. And he asks... What's going on, Major? Would you like to tell us? Jack jumps in and defends her and says she doesn't have to tell him squat because she was working with his approval all this time. He authorized her to collect as much information as possible. And hell yeah, Jack. Way to back up your people. Although you're backing her up hanging out with this creep guy. But he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that, yeah. He just thinks he's keeping her out of trouble. Yes. Simmons then drops the bomb that special forces are surrounding her house right this moment and they're going to go in and take that alien into custody. That alien. Turns out titanium is cheaper than I thought it would be. It's only 35 cents per pound these days. Okay. I had to look that up while you were talking. How many pounds was it? 100 pounds. 200. Oh, titanium was 100. Oh, it does say 100. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know how much fiber optic cable costs. I'm sure Jeff could tell us, but he's not in here. And did it cost more? (laughs) Industrial strength capacitors. Jeff would probably know that too. (laughs) But did they cost more 20 years ago? Although inflation, so maybe not. Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, let me figure out where we are because I wasn't following in my notes because I was busy trying to figure that out. Raiding Carter's house. Yep. They get to Sam's house. Special forces are already in there, all pulled up outside. Clearly, this is not a gas leak, but I was wondering if they're going to try to pass it off as a gas leak again. (laughs) This time, it's a little bit less discreet than last time. All the lights are off, so (laughs) Orland's just creeping in the dark. (laughs) They've got the place surrounded, so they know he's in there and he can't go anywhere. And then they're going to let Sam try to go in and bring him out. They hand her a radio and she heads on in. She finds him in the basement, so I guess that makes a little bit more sense why all the lights upstairs were out, but still weird. I wondered if they cut the power to the house. Oh, maybe. But actually, no. Oh, you know what? It's probably because what he's doing. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Got all the power going down into the thing that he's making. The thing that he's making turns out to be a little mini one-time use Stargate. I can't believe what I'm hearing. So that's what he was buying all that stuff for. Also, Sam needs a new toaster. So as much as everyone outside might want to take him into custody, they can't because he's going to use his little one-time use Stargate. (laughs) Sam is pretty incredulous that he was able to make this thing just from materials that he ordered online. And he's like, yeah, sorry about the big credit card bill next month. And again, she's not at all bothered by this, and it made me angry. She could be bothered about it later. I guess. In the middle of a situation. (laughs) <laughs> so Orland's going to go to Valona and try to stop the test that's going to be happening over there. He powers up his little Stargate. They thankfully have enough room to not turn into feet shoes. <laughs> and he jumps through the gate. 
And then Sam follows him. Yep. Simmons orders the raid on the house, and they get in there too late. I have to interrupt here for a second, because I do have a question. Yes. Hypothetically, so this gate was very small, and it was suspended off the ground, so it was maybe like waist height, so they literally had to jump to go through the thing. If, though, they had done a wormhole the other way and had gone from a big normal sized gate that you walk through to this smaller gate what would have happened when they walked through would they have just been like cut off at the waist i don't know that's a good question because it wasn't tall enough for them to be able to walk through it so what would happen yeah i don't know and would you need to know like that you're going through a gate where you need to jump right that got me to thinking like what if you accidentally dial out to a gate that's a different size are there different sized gates on different places maybe made by different aliens who knows what if when you land you just like get stuck halfway on the gate and you're like hanging over it you're cut off at the waist also or you could yes you could be cut off at the waist or if it's too small and you can even get stuck like winnie the pooh like winnie the pooh <laughs> oh help and then again it turns off and you're Cut in half. And Bala. <laughs> I don't see any way of this ending well. No. Good thing that didn't happen here. <laughs> yes. Anyway, yeah. continue. They go in, they can't find Sam. And that is because <laughs> she has followed Orlin to Valona. Orlin is running as fast as he can toward the building with the weapon. Sam is following behind, chasing him. Orlin gets in there and immediately tackles some dude. Wrestles the zat away. It's the computer guy, isn't it? it? Oh, wait, no. He's there, but he's not the guy that gets Yeah. Tackled. Might be on his computer. Anyway, he zats this one guy, but before he can do anything else, Computer Man Reynolds has his gun out and aimed at him, too. Sam runs in and tells everyone to hold their fire because she heard a gunshot, and it turns out Reynolds did, in fact, shoot him, but not too bad yet. Sam asks them to all lower their weapons and that Orlin has good reason to want to stop the test. Reynolds is like, but I've got orders. Sam says, yeah, but maybe we talk to Hammond first about this. Back and forth. I can't, I can't, I can't. It is a lot of back and forth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The problem is, though, that they've already started this process. And that buffer thing that Sam was going to try to make. They didn't wait for that. Of course. No. Never happened. No, because she dicked around for nine days and did nothing. I don't know. Yep. Apparently. Yeah. Orlin thinks this is good. It's just going to destroy the weapon. However, that is not what the SGC people want. There's a little uh, tussle and some weapons fire. Orlin, like, dives and detaches the cables. So he turns it off. Yep. And gets shot in the process. Yep. And is like, man, this hurts. Orlin then, t- apparently, what he did was enough to get him back in the good graces of the genocidal ascended beings that he knows. <laughs> yep. So they let him ascend again. Yeah. Lucky him. He can go hang out with <laughs> yeah, the genocidal yeah. people. Who wouldn't want that? I know. He says goodbye to Sam. Because this is the only way he can save her. He becomes incorporeal again, and his wavy light whiteness picks up the weapon and, like, takes it up into the sky and lets it explode there. Yep. And then it sends a little lightning bolt down to destroy the rest of the device. Yes, it does send a lightning bolt. (laughs) That is basically the end of the episode. (laughs) Yep. Sure is. I'm just staring up at the sky. Did you like the episode? I didn't hate it, but it wasn't great. (laughs) Mostly (laughs) because Orlin is a massive creep. And Sam, it seemed really strange to me that Sam would just go along with this for however long this was. This was apparently like weeks of time where she was just hanging out with this dude in her house. Right. But also going to work. I don't know. It was... It was weird. See, I liked it as I was watching it, but as we talked about it, now I'm struggling to think about the things I liked about it. <laughs> because, yeah, you're right. Orlin was a totally awful creep here. Sam's yeah. actions just didn't make any sense. Uh, I like John Delancey as their foil here. It sounds like he's going to be another asshole like every other person in the military who's not part of the SGC to them. And uh, what was the other guy's name? 
Oh, Kinsey. Sorry, I wasn't even thinking about. I was thinking about Kinsey. Yeah. Oh, so Kinsey. Just a, that, another oh, okay. a, another line in in yeah. a, lo- a guy in the line of powerful people who want more yeah. control over this thing. Right. And actually, you know what? I think I liked the most was seeing Sam's house. It was yeah. It was kind of nice. I agree. Seeing how she lived, watching her putter around her house, looking at her <laughs> water cooler, trying to figure out what her answering machine slash word processor really was. <laughs> How many cups were on top of the the water cooler? Pictures of her and Jacob, apparently. So I yep. I sort of like that glimpse into Sam. She drives a cool old car. Like, why doesn't she use that as her hobby? Working on her classic car. Right? I don't know. Exactly. We've seen her working on that yeah. motorcycle once. So she does have hobbies. But she just doesn't have to do them at work, I guess. Right. Anyway, yeah, so I think I landed on not really liking it, even though I felt like it was fine while I was watching it. Fair. What about you? Oh, wait, I don't need to ask, but I will anyway. Yeah, I already told you. I hated it to the point that it made me really angry, actually. (laughs) Because it's just, it's such a common trope to have, like, this totally creepy guy who a female is not interested in and he just keeps insisting and persisting and pursuing the person and then eventually she learns to like him and learns to fall for him and that is not how it works in real life like if somebody says no then leave them the fuck alone and if somebody keeps saying no and you keep pursuing them anyway then you're a fucking stalker and you need to knock that shit off and if she's actively running away from you and threatening violence against you because she feels that her physical health is threatened back the fuck off yeah, for sure. And I have opinions because this is something that I've dealt with in my own life. It's just a common thing for female people to have to deal with being harassed by people who are interested in them that, you know, you, you might not be interested in them at all, but some people just don't take a hint. And it made me really angry that they're just going into this common thing of, well, it doesn't matter if they're not interested in the beginning, because if you just keep bugging them enough then they're going to learn to like you anyway. So just persistence is key. No. Yeah. Persistence is not key. Don't be a creeper. And that's that's my soapbox. You'll be happy to know that Sean Patrick Flannery does not appear again in this show. I am very happy to know that. <laughs> it made me so angry. Yeah. <laughs> this episode. Yeah. Because, again, she said she wasn't interested so many times and he was just so damn creepy. And the fact that she did eventually end up falling for him despite being the strong female lead that she is made me angry and the fact that she was covering for him and protecting him and acting so uncharacteristic also made me angry so yeah i just absolutely hated everything about this episode fair i think that's reasonable yeah yeah so moral of the story if somebody's not interested leave them alone yes if they actively leave leave them alone if they run away from you leave them alone (laughs) <laughs> and if they threaten to punch you because they're afraid of you, leave them alone. Yes, all good lessons. Yes. Life lessons from Mary. <laughs> Maybe consent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What's next? Next, we're watching Stargate SG-1, Season 5, Episode 4, The Fifth Man. Netflix says, after coming under fire on an alien world, Carter, Daniel, and Teal'c return and report that O'Neill stayed behind to protect a wounded Lieutenant Tyler. The booklet says, O'Neill stays behind on an alien world to tend to the wounded Lieutenant Tyler, the latest member of SG-1. But when the rest of the team returns to the command center, they discover that Lieutenant Tyler doesn't exist! What? (gasps) Will this latest case of alien mind games close SGC down for good? Question mark? (laughs) I bet it does. Probably. (laughs) And then there's five more seasons of just nothing. (laughs) It's five more seasons of just watching Sam put her around her house. And the people just sitting playing cards at the Stargate like they did at the beginning of the show. Yep. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Yeah, I'm good. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. Likes and reviews are very much appreciated to help other people find the show. And word of mouth is great for that as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. And you can send us messages through our website at stargatesing.space. And if you're feeling generous, you can help support the show over at patreon.com slash stargatesing. I'm Mary. I'm itchy. (laughs) And you've been listening to Stargatesing, the end. The end.
waiting, waiting, sitting here and waiting for Mary. My eyes were itchy, so I took some Benadryl, and now I'm waiting for Mary, waiting for Mary. My nose still kind of itches, but that's okay, it always does, even when I'm not waiting for Mary, waiting, itchy, wee, she's coming back, oh my god, don't tell anyone that I was singing, shh, hello, hello,